www.healthcmi.com and welcome back to our webinar series. Today on our research webinar we're going to be covering how acupuncture can help intensive care infants and also how acupuncture is good for the treatment of pain based on not only ancient principles but modern research. So this first article we'll take a look at is entitled Acupuncture Helps Stanford Intensive Care Infants. It was released at healthcmi.com in the news cycle October 20th, 2014. And before I, I get going, re remember that the source of this news article is Stanford University for the research. So when critics argue there is no research or the research is not uh, double-blinded, it's not placebo-controlled, it's not randomized, etc., etc., these are not truthful or accurate depictions of the level of and the quality of the research that demonstrates the efficaciousness of acupuncture not only in the treatment of pain but also other conditions. Uh, in fact, there is a wealth of research demonstrating the efficaciousness of both acupuncture herbs and other forms of Chinese medicine. So let's read a little from this article and talk about it. A Stanford University study finds acupuncture effective for reducing the need for sedative medications for neonates and infants undergoing treatments in the intensive care unit. One of the doctors, actually several of the doctors I'm reading here, note that high doses of opioids and benzodiazepines are often required for neonates and infants for the purpose of pain management and sedation. Cessation from medications leads to withdrawal symptoms and irritability. The researchers cite acupuncture's documented ability to reduce pain, irritability, and withdrawal symptoms in adults. So this is uh, something that is normal when, when doing research. People base the reason for the research on prior research here. There was a lot of research on adult populations, so now they're looking at pediatric. Continuing with the article, the research team applied acupuncture in the pediatric setting to see if the therapeutic effects known to help adults also applies to neonates and infants. They concluded that the pediatric patients, quote, tolerated acupuncture well and required a decreased amount of pain medication for treating agitation and withdrawal, unquote. The study concludes, quote, acupuncture may be a useful adjunct for managing agitation and withdrawal in neonates and infants in the intensive care unit and may lead to a decreased need for sedative medications, unquote. Acupuncture points used in the study were yin tang, stomach 36, and PC6, pericardium 6, plus acupuncture point protocols developed uh, by the National Acupuncture Detoxification Association. So those are usually ear points. In a related study, doctors from the University of Washington School of Medicine, located in Seattle, conclude, quote, our experience suggests that acupuncture therapy is safe, is a safe non-pharmacological option for prevention or emergence delirium in children undergoing general anesthesia, unquote. Uh, so they're saying prevention of emergence delirium. The doctors note that delirium occurs in approximately 12 to 50% of pediatric patients receiving general anesthesia. They add that pharmaceutical drugs used to manage delirium often produce unwanted adverse effects, including, quote, sedation and longer recovery time from anesthesia, unquote. The uh, University of Washington School of Medicine uh, study came up with some very interesting findings. All children in the study receiving intravenous anesthesia plus acupuncture required less quantities of propofol, and am it's an amnesic uh, hypnotic drug, very powerful stuff. A total of 83% of patients did not get delirium. An additional 17% had relatively mild cases of delirium and were able to, quote, communicate 
the source of the stress, unquote. The acupuncture points used in the study were spleen 8, heart 7, and liver 3. Needle stimulation was applied to three acupuncture points. Magnet therapy was applied to ear shen men. No complications occurred, demonstrating that acupuncture is both safe and effective in the prevention of pediatric emergence delirium. And then in our posted article, which is intended for licensed acupuncturists, researchers, but also the general public, we take a highlight and look at a few acupuncture points. So in this article, we highlight the functions and indications of the acupuncture points in the study. So that's a normal process for us when we're publishing. But again, what we're looking at are uh, two studies here, one from Stanford University and one from the University of Washington School of Medicine. So these are bona fide serious institutions taking on very serious issues in pediatric medicine, integrating it into uh, the general usual care setting. And we do see a lot of criticism. Usually the players tend to be right-wing media in most cases where there are attacks against acupuncture as a profession. Uh, I know there's a geneticist that is uh, sometimes appearing on the Forbes.com medical business section who comes after acupuncturists saying it's ineffective, there are no studies, no studies, no studies, and being part of a publishing arm of the Healthcare Medicine Institute, I couldn't disagree more. It's not that there are no studies. There are so many studies. And the quality of the studies themselves are very high. And they even say, oh, well, the institutions are no good. Well, if Stanford University and the University of Washington School of Medicine aren't good, then I want to know what is good. And I can't underscore the importance of letting people know, our patients, doctors, and everyone know, that the research is there. So it is ancient medicine, yes, but it is also modern medicine. And it plays well into the modern medicine system. And finally, this type of research at healthcmi.com at the news department may not get you new patients, but it will help patient retention. If patients do not want to follow through with care, please go look up what you're treating. Maybe it's knee pain, maybe it's elbow pain, maybe it's headaches, maybe it's menopausal symptoms. Print out the research and give it to your patients and let them know the studies behind there by showing them that these institutions have demonstrated the effectiveness of acupuncture in modern research it helps the patient with compliance to care. In their world, they see a doctor once a year, maybe. Maybe they see a dental hygienist. Uh, maybe the hygienist, maybe, what, two to four times a year. Maybe the dentist once or twice a year. If we're lucky, they might see a chiropractor on a regular basis. But ultimately, they're not patients in the United States are not accustomed to regular visits to medical professionals in general. This will help them know that when an acupuncturist says something like three times a week for four weeks or some of these studies show five times a week. So a lot of the studies will actually give you the treatment regime five times a week up to 30 visits or whatever. It won't seem outrageous to people. It won't seem like a business deal. They will know we're serious about getting people better, and this is the protocol. Now, this particular study did not outline a protocol, but many of the studies at healthcmi.com will outline the exact medical protocol, how many times per week for how many weeks, even what points were used, what type of manual or electrical techniques are used. So that's a little background in some of the research. I encourage you to look through it and provide this information to your patients so they can have improved compliance. Let's take a look at another article, and this one also features research from Stanford University. So we'll go with that theme 
of uh, Stanford University, again, the gravity and the level of the research is important. Its import on modern society, how acupuncture can be integrated into the modern medical setting is, is, is a large focus and very important. Ultimately, this level of research will play into questions such as insurance reimbursement and inclusion in the Medicare system in the future. Also, reimbursement rates, which in many ways have gone down over the years for acupuncturists, uh, which is alarming because we want to encourage high-quality individuals to go through acupuncture college, but the costs of getting an education and the length of time involved may be prohibitive if the reimbursement rates for acupuncturists in the end are lower. And in many ways, acupuncturists uh, cannot earn as much as they once did. So this research ultimately will place us into the system and maybe carve a way out for acupuncturists to have acceptance within the system where there is less of an insurance issue. In the near term, I don't know how much we can expect. In the long term, who knows? We can only hope for the best that there'll be ways to integrate traditional Chinese medicine, traditional traditional Japanese and Korean medicine into our system in a way that acupuncturists can, can be reimbursed properly. So let's take a look at this next article entitled Stanford University, Acupuncture Reduces Pain After Surgery. So this was published at the Health CMI news portal on April 12th, 2015. And it reads... Stanford University doctors conclude that acupuncture during surgery reduces pain. Research published in the laryngoscope finds acupuncture effective for reducing pain and improving restoration of a normal diet postoperatively when acupuncture is applied during surgery. Doctors from the Stanford University School of Medicine conclude that acupuncture is, quote, feasible, well-tolerated, and results in improved pain and earlier return of diet postoperatively, unquote. So once again, powerful results. Here, acupuncture is used in the operatory, during an operation, intraoperative acupuncture. And then they measure results afterwards to see how patients fare, whether they've had acupuncture or whether they have not had acupuncture. So continuing, the research was conducted by doctors from two Stanford University School of Medicine departments, the Department of Otolaryngology, Head and Neck Surgery, and the Department of Anesthesia. A randomized controlled investigation of acupuncture's benefits to pediatric tonsillectomy patients reveals that acupuncture patients, quote, experience significantly less pain at various post-operative time points as compared to the control cohort, and also that the onset of analgesia in the acupuncture cohort began by 36 hours postoperatively, whereas the control group did not reach significant analgesia until 84 hours postoperatively, unquote. Post-operative oral intake improved for patients receiving acupuncture during the tonsillectomy operation. The researchers note, quote, oral intake was significantly more improved in the acupuncture group than the control group, unquote. They add that, quote, the acupuncture group had significantly increased oral intake starting at 24 hours and lasting through all remaining time points examined whereas the control group had significantly increased oral intake starting at 72 hours postoperatively, unquote. So these last two paragraphs covered the fact that pain relief started much more quickly at 36 hours postoperatively for the acupuncture patients and the control group at 84 hours, and also that oral intake and, and normal diet restored much more quickly for the people who received acupuncture during surgery for the children who were having tonsillectomies as, as the study, the oral intake resumed at 24 hours for the acupuncture patients and the control group at 72 hours. The researchers looked at other measures 
uh, measures of intraoperative acupuncture um, on nausea and vomiting did not produce significantly different results for the acupuncture and control groups. Out of 59 patients, five acupuncture group patients experienced nausea or vomiting, and similarly, seven control group patients experienced nausea or vomiting. I find that interesting because acupuncture can be used effectively for the treatment of nausea and vomiting. In this study, it did, it did not show very different results. The researchers note that the numbers are not significantly different statistically, and overall the researchers note that the rates of nausea and vomiting were, quote, very low, unquote, for both groups. And then this may be attributed to, quote, other factors in our regimen, unquote, including surgical techniques, gastric suctioning, suctioning, etc. The researchers comment, quote, we do, however, find the differences between the treatment and control groups and post-operative pain scores to be clinically significant, particularly when treatment resulted in an earlier improvement of oral intake, unquote. So this study basically not much difference with nausea and vomiting, but a lot less pain and improvement of oral intake. Researchers note that no side effects from acupuncture occurred. They comment that only sterile disposable acupuncture needles were used, adding that this may have averted adverse effects. Now, these types of statements, remember, this is a general public release of the data. So as acupuncturists, we know we're using sterile needles, but we do go over the safety and efficacy of acupuncture in terms that are approachable to the general public and doctors in the hospital setting and other clinical settings. The researchers note, quote, complications related to acupuncture are very rare, unquote. In many states, including California, where the investigation was conducted, only sterile needles are used. And the Stanford University researchers note that the study of acupuncture during surgery is a, quote, relatively new area of research, unquote. They add, quote, one of the strengths of the study is its rigorous, double-blinded, randomized design with a sham acupuncture control, unquote. And they recommend, of course, more research. So there it is. Stanford University is doing double-blinded, randomized, uh, sham, sham-controlled acupuncture studies. That's about as rigorous as it gets. And they're even say, using the word rigorous describing this study. So this is the type of research that should impact public health policy because it's hard to knock holes in this research from Stanford and really a wealth of other types of research, not only at Stanford, but UCSF, other major universities. This publication outlines the acupuncture procedure in brief. Let's take a look. Electroacupuncture was applied intraoperatively, that is, during the operation, at alternating frequencies between 4 and 100 hertz with a Pantheon research stimulator. Electroacupuncture connected acupuncture points, large intestine 4, Hegu, to stomach 36, Zhu Li, and PC6, P6, Neguam to TB5, Sanjo 5, Yguam. So large intestine 4, stomach 36, PC6 to TB5. Electroacupuncture was also applied to acupuncture point kidney 6, Chao Hai. The researchers comment that alternating frequencies between 4 and 100 hertz were utilized to, quote, optimize the release of endogenous endorphins, enkephalins, and dynorphins, unquote. Stomach 36 was chosen for its, quote, analgesic properties, unquote. Large intestine 4 and kidney 6 were chosen for their analgesic actions on the throat, head, and neck. PC6 was chosen for its antiemetic properties. All needles were inserted to a depth wherein a dead chi fascial grab was achieved, the needle depth ranged between approximately 0.5 to 1.0 soon. So interesting that they're talking about dead chi here. 
And they did specify in the research that it was a fascial grab. So dead chi, the arrival of chi or dead chi could be described by a patient as a sensation, you know, electrical shooting, dull ache, etc. Or dead chi can be described by the practitioner as something like the grabbing of the needle or electric sensation through the needle when applying the needle. So here it's as a fascial grab. Acupuncture point heart seven Shen Men, located on the wrist, was added for its ability to reduce, quote, post-operative agitation, unquote. No, no electroacupuncture was added to heart seven or auricular acupuncture points. Sarin brand auricular acupuncture, quote, junior tax, unquote, were added to outer ear points Shen Men, master cerebral, cingulate, gyrus, and tonsil. This double-blind, randomized, placebo-controlled study finds intraoperative acupuncture effective for reducing pain and improving post-operative oral intake. Integration of acupuncture into the operatory was also found both feasible and well-tolerated. Then we cite some of the funding sources, and that's our article. So again... Another important study from Stanford University on acupuncture and how it reduces pain. Let's turn our attention to some research published in the Chinese Journal of Integrative Medicine. This article was published at the Health CMI News Portal on April 14, 2015, entitled Brain MRI Shows Acupuncture relieves migraines. So let's take a look at a little different type of research on pain. Magnetic resonance imaging, MRI, reveals that acupuncture prevents and relieves migraines by restoring normal brain functions. MRI results demonstrate that acupuncture decreases the frequency and duration of migraine attacks by e increasing functional connectivity in the brain's frontal and temporal lobes. The researchers add that the MRI data reveals that the, quote, neural me mechanisms of acupuncture treatment for migraine, unquote, are demonstrated here. So the focus of this research is not to prove or disprove that acupuncture treats migraines. It, this is obviously built on prior research showing that acupuncture treats headaches and migraines. Here they're trying to map out what happens when acupuncture is applied. How does acupuncture relieve a migraine? What's going on? What are those neural mechanisms? Let's take a look uh, more at the article. Brain regions of the frontal and temporal lobes have, quote, decreased functional connectivity, unquote, in migraine sufferers. The MRI results demonstrate that acupuncture restores functional connectivity in the affected regions. After a four-week course of acupuncture treatment, migraine sufferers, quote, showed significantly increased functional connectivity in the bilateral superior frontal gyrus, medial frontal gyrus, precuneus, inferior parietal lobule, posterior, posterior cingulate cortex, cingulate gyrus, superior, superior temporal gyrus, middle temporal gyrus, and supramarginal gyrus as compared with before acupuncture treatment, unquote. In addition, the researchers conclude that acupuncture decreases the frequency and duration of migraine attacks after a four-week course of acupuncture therapy. The researchers note that a large body of clinical research concludes that, quote, acupuncture is able to alleviate headache, degree, and or improve the quality of life, and it is safe and at least as effective, if not more effective, than prophylactic drug treatment, unquote. The purpose of their investigation was to measure how acupuncture accomplishes pain relief. The researchers note, quote, 
The current results indicated that the neural mechanisms of acupuncture for migraine prophylaxis might be interpreted as that acupuncture treatment could increase the decreased resting state connectivity in certain brain regions within the frontal and temporal lobe of migraine without aura patients. The researchers add that studies show that the, quote, frontoparietal network plays an important role in endogenous pain modulation, unquote. As a result, the researchers posit, quote, that acupuncture treatment could enhance the pain-related modulatory effects of the frontoparietal network by increasing its functional connectivity in migraine patients, unquote. They also note that the results indicate that acupuncture relieves pain by enhancing the, quote, functional connectivity of the default mode network and other brain networks, unquote. Worldwide, there are millions of migraine sufferers. The researchers note that, quote, the clinical therapeutic effect of acupuncture for migraine prophylaxis has been widely recognized, unquote. But the underlying effective mechanisms had not been fully elucidated. Using a 3T Siemens MRI scanner with a total of 32 axial slices per patient, the researchers discovered acupuncture's ability to relieve migraines by enhancing functional brain connectivity. All of the migraine patients in this study were people with migraine without aura, and they received manual acupuncture treatments over a four-week period. And the acupuncture points used in the study were Sanjiao 23, GB8, GB20, Tai Young, Large Intestine 4, Liver 3, Sanjiao 5, GB34, and GB41. And Sanjiao is a uh, triple burner, Yiguan, uh, Sanjiao 5, uh, Yiguan, and Sanjiao 23, Su Jukong. Disposable stainless steel needles, uh, 0.25 by 40 millimeters were used. Manual acupuncture techniques were used at each acupoint to elicit a dead chi sensation. Acupuncture needles were subsequently retained for 30 minutes each session. Acupuncture treatments were given five times per week over the four-week treatment period. No adverse events occurred, and all patients involved in the study completed the treatment course. So this is five times per week. That's a lot. We don't often have that ability in the United States, often due to monetary issues and scheduling issues, to have the luxury of being able to treat people like that. However, this is the protocol used in this study, five times per week. So again, brain MRI shows acupuncture relieves migraines, published on April 14th, 2015. Take a look at healthcmi.com at this and other articles on acupuncture for the treatment of headaches and migraines. This next publication was released at the healthcmi.com website, April 7th, 2015. It's entitled, MRI Reveals Acupuncture Modulates Brain Activity. MRI studies reveal the neurological mechanisms of acupuncture on human health. Research published in Autonomic Neuroscience demonstrates that specific that stimulation of specific acupuncture points induces hemodynamic changes in specific brain networks. That statement in that publication is important in that specificity of acupuncture points having very specific functions or indications associated with them is a major topic of research. The researchers add that brain networks accessed by specific acupuncture points relate to specific medical disorders, and suggest an, quote, acupuncture brain organ, unquote, pathway. Functional magnetic resonance imaging, fMRI, studies reveal specific acupuncture points affect specific areas in the brain through blood oxygen level-dependent measurements, bold. 
bold is uh, blood oxygen level dependent. In a meta-analysis of 82 fMRI studies, functional MRI studies, researchers found a large body of evidence supporting acupuncture point specificity. So again, a meta-analysis is just a review of many studies. In this case, 82 fMRI studies were reviewed. This applies to both manual acupuncture and electroacupuncture. True acupuncture point stimulation induced specific cortical effects, whereas sham acupuncture did not. When we compare sham to actual real acupuncture, it's either called real acupuncture, true acupuncture. In some cases, it'll be called virum acupuncture. And then sham acupuncture is just called sham acupuncture. In addition, the researchers note that the acupuncture point stimulation produces significantly, quote, more positive and negative hemodynamic signal responses in brain regions compared with sensory stimulation used as a control condition, unquote. Many important findings were confirmed. Acupuncture exerts a stimulus that, quote, could induce beneficial cortical plasticity in carpal tunnel syndrome patients, unquote. It was also demonstrated that acupuncture relieved pain, quote, by regulating the equilibrium of distributed pain-related central networks, unquote. So what we'll be looking at in this article is a, a real long list of things that acupuncture can do and how it affects the brain. So here we see uh, specifically that there are specific cortical, that is, brain responses related to benefiting patients with carpal tunnel syndrome. The researchers note that a fundamental principle of traditional Chinese medicine is that, quote, specific acupuncture points have therapeutic, therapeutic effects on target organ systems remote from the needling site, unquote. Recent fMRI investigations support this principle. The researchers note that, quote, fMRI investigations regarding several acupoints have demonstrated that acupuncture stimulation at disorder-implicated acupoints modulates the activity of the disorder-related brain regions, unquote. So there it is. They're showing that the investigations clearly demonstrate that there's a disorder and that the acupuncture point indicated for the treatment of that disorder actually affects the brain regions associated with that disorder. And that's a big step in that we can show that now in actual fMRI images. In TCM, acupuncture point PC6, Neguan, is indicated for the treatment of nausea and vomiting. The fMRI research supports this ancient principle. The researchers note, quote, acupuncturing at Neguan PC6 could selectively evoke hemodynamic response of insula and cerebellar hypothalamus in order to exert modulatory effects on vestibular functions indicating the specific treatment effect on nausea and vomiting, unquote. So now we have both carpal tunnel, nausea, and vomiting all showing up in brain effects with the fMRI and relating to acupuncture treatment. Acupuncture point GB37, Guang Ming, located on the lower leg, is indicated for the treatment of vision-related disorders within the TCM system. The name of the point, Guangming, is translated as bright light and indicates the acupoint's use in the treatment of visual disorders. So Guangming, GB37, bright light. And it is categorized as a low connecting point and has the TCM functions of regulating the liver and clearing vision. The point is indicated for the treatment of farsightedness, nearsightedness, night blindness, eye pain. The research demonstrates that GB37 increases neural responses in the occipital cortex. The researchers add that it was, quote, discovered that modulations in vision-related cortex, BA18-19, were responsive to the specificity of GB37, unquote. This connection between fMRI findings and TCM indications confirms the specificity of GB37 for the treatment of visual disorders. 
What's great about that finding is MRI studies are supporting distal points for the treatment of specific internal medicine disorders and sensory disorders. A broad body of research suggests, quote, that acupuncture at different acupoints may modulate relatively specific cerebral areas, unquote, according to the researchers. Acupoints demonstrating this phenomenon in fMRI include large intestine 4, stomach 36, liver 3, kidney 3, GB40, GB37, kidney 8, auricular point, brainstem, and spleen 6. Many examples of acupoint cortical specificity were included in the research. The following are some highlights. The researchers note, quote, acupuncture at three classical acupoints of large intestine 4, stomach 36, and liver 3 produced extensive deactivation of the limbic, paralympic, neocortical brain network, as well as activation of its anti-correlated activation network, unquote. Differentiation between the points was noted as the following, quote, large intestine 4 was predominant in the, uh, I think it's pregenual cingulated and hippocampal formation. Stomach 36 was, uh, response was predominant in the subgenual cingulate and liver 3 in the posterior hippocampus and posterior cingulated. Taisi, kidney 3, mediated the executive network and Chiu GB40 activated the auditory network and, quote, Zhao Xin, kidney 8, was associated with the insula and hippocampus and pain modulation, unquote. The mechanisms of cerebral action of true acupuncture were found distinct from sham acupuncture. The researchers note, quote, acupuncture at Tai Chung, liver 3, could specifically activate or deactivate brain areas related to vision, movement, sensation, emotion, and analgesia compared with sham acupuncture, unquote. They add, several studies have found that there were different brain responses between traditional acupoints and sham acupoints, unquote. It was found that, quote, stomach 36 could induce greater activation in ventrolateral periaqueductal gray, PAG, and produced linearly time-variant fMRI activities in limbic regions such as amygdala, uh, amygdala and hippocampus. Needling acupuncture point John, large intestine 2, activated the insula and other areas, but this did not occur with sham acupuncture of uh, the same areas. Other research examples were cited. The researchers concluded, quote, these results provided evidence to support that acupoints may have its own functional specificity to sham points. A multiplicity of fMRI studies investigated the effects of dead chi. The elicitation of dead chi by acupuncture needling techniques is often described by patients as electrical, dull, or heavy. Dead chi is often described by licensed acupuncturists applying manual acupuncture as a pulling or tugging sensation on the needle. The fMRI, the fMRI research shows, quote, that acupuncture with dead chi induced extensive deactivation of limbic, paralimbic, neocortical network, LPNN, and activation in somatosensory regions of the brain, unquote. Other research suggests that bilateral postcentral gyrus, insula, ipsilateral, inferior frontal gyrus, inferior parietal lobe, claustrum, and also contralateral ACC are related to jet chi elicitation. So uh, in addition, the researchers note that dead chi sensations are directly, quote, correlated with activation in sensory motor and cognitive processing and deactivation of the default mode network regions, unquote. So that section just is covering the basics of the study showing the importance of dead chi stimulation 
in and needle stimulation in general for this study. That is definitely in stark contrast to some studies where it's tap and go. Uh, we see most research out of China, and now a lot of it in the U.S. using manual needle stimulation. The depth of needling affects cerebral responses to acupuncture. It was found that deep needling of kidney 3 elicits, quote, more extensive connectivity related to therapeutic effects of acupuncture in mild cognitive impairments, unquote, when compared with superficial needling. Other important clinical findings were documented. Acupuncture successfully regulated uh, default mode network, DMN, and motor-related networks in stroke patients. The application of acupuncture to acupoints liver 3 and large intestine 4 activated cognitive-related regions in Alzheimer's disease and mild cognitive impairment patients. The study notes that abnormal functional connectivity in the temporal regions of the hippocampus, thalamus, and fusiform gyrus for mild cognitive impairment patients, quote, significantly improved, unquote. So they're going through a bunch of these topics in the meta-analysis of all these uh, fMRI studies, the importance of dead chi, the importance of needling depth, things like this. The mechanisms by which laser acupuncture, so now they're going right into laser acupuncture, exerts antidepressant effects was revealed in an fMRI study. The DMN, the default net mode network, is at its peak activity level when the brain is at rest and deactivates when the brain is task or goal oriented. I'll continue in a moment. So again, this network of the brain, the DMN, the default mode network, is a resting state function of the brain. So it's active when we're at rest, and then it deactivates when we become focused on a goal or a task. Laser acupuncture to liver 8, liver 14, and do 14 stimulated both the anterior and posterior default mode network in depressed and non-depressed individuals. However, the posterior default mode network modulation was wider in depressed individuals receiving laser acupuncture at the parietal temporal limbic cortices. So definitely there's the, some distinctions there. Acupuncture has also been shown to regulate default mode network activity in Alzheimer's disease patients. In addition, brain activation induced by acupuncture in healthy patients is different than brain activation induced in Parkinson's disease patients. So here's another type of work comparing healthy and unhealthy patients or depressed and undepressed patients, Parkinson's disease versus healthy, things like that. One study was found showing that, quote, acupuncture may regulate the cardiovascular system through a complicated brain network from the cortical level, the, the hypothalamus, and the brainstem to improve body pain and vitality in primary hypertension patients, unquote. So now we've covered quite a bit right there. The researchers note that fMRI assists in understanding the neural effects of acupuncture. The researchers conclude, quote, acupuncture could induce hemodynamic changes in a wide cortico-subcortical network, large portions of which are overlapped with the disorder-related areas, indicating that there may, be, there may exist a specific pathway connecting the acupoint brain organ underlying acupuncture-induced therapeutic effects, unquote. So what they're honing in on here with hypertension, with Alzheimer's disease, with depression, with Parkinson's disease, is that there's definite distinctions in how acupuncture affects these people versus affecting healthy people. And that acupuncture points are specifically have specific functions on the brain. And it's mappable with an MRI study. So... That is the uh, publication from April 7, 2015. MRI reveals acupuncture modulates brain activity at healthcmi.com. Another very interesting research project. Let's take a look at another study. This research 
is entitled Acupuncture Lowers Anxiety and Pain After a Mastectomy. Published at Health CMI, the uh, article on this research was March 22nd, 2015. Again, go to healthcmi.com and take a look at this one. Pretty heavy-hitting stuff. Acupuncture reduces anxiety and pain for breast cancer patients that have had a mastectomy or breast reconstruction surgery. Researchers from the Mayo Clinic, located in Rochester, Minnesota, conclude that acupuncture, quote, significantly improves symptoms of postoperative pain, anxiety, and tension, and demonstrates a trend towards improved postoperative relaxation, unquote. So we've looked at so many studies, uh, including the ones from Stanford University, here the Mayo Clinic, other major universities, and so many heavy-weighted clinics have have literally weighed in on this and are showing the incredibly powerful effects of acupuncture, how they benefit patients, which points have specific actions, and many of the studies can even measure using MRI, sometimes blood assays, how that effective action is exerted by acupuncture. And here, the one from the Mayo Clinic. The researchers from the Mayo Clinic add that, quote, acupuncture can be integrated into a busy post-surgical clinical practice, unquote, and, quote, acupuncture may be an important intervention in the post-operative setting for breast cancer patients, unquote. So that's a very big concern. And keep in mind that, that pain management is a very, very serious topic to doctors throughout the hospital system. So when people are suffering, doctors would like something else they can turn to besides medications that may have addictive properties or may have unwanted side effects of another type. Acupuncture is now starting to provide answers for these doctors. Acupuncture is starting to show that it's useful intraoperatively and other forms of perioperative use. So not only during surgery, but before and after to control pain and inflammation. The Mayo Clinic researchers note that there are, quote, several important implications, unquote, from the study. The researchers tested the feasibility of incorporating acupuncture into a postoperative medical setting for mastectomy and breast reconstruction patients. The results suggest that acupuncture is feasible in this environment and note that acupuncture, quote, can be successfully incorporated into a busy postoperative clinical setting, unquote. The researchers note, quote, it appears that acupuncture can be incorporated into a postoperative inpatient setting without disrupting patient care or activities of care team members, unquote. All patients in the study noted that it was worthwhile and no patients indicated dissatisfaction. The researchers note that there was a, quote, high degree of patient participation or participant satisfaction in acupuncture, unquote. The Bale Clinic researchers add that satisfaction levels indicate, quote, the value of acupuncture for surgical patients, unquote. The researchers note that acupuncture improves the quality of life for patients, citing that, quote, acupuncture can have favorable effects on anxiety, tension, and postoperative pain, unquote. They add that the study, quote, suggests that acupuncture can be integrated successfully into the postoperative care of breast surgery recipients, unquote. So they're really looking for pragmatic solutions. Will this flow well in the perioperative setting? That's really, ultimately, we'll put acupuncture on the list of options. Realistically, looking at things that doctors turn to on their checklist, they have medications, they have things like physical therapy. And what we as acupuncturists want to see is that acupuncture and also herbal medicine is taken seriously because we can provide answers 
and provide relief from suffering for these patients. The study, the study's acupuncture point prescription was protocolized to a standard set of acupuncture points. The prescription was based on TCM, traditional Chinese medicine principles of calming shen, tonifying qi and blood, and moving qi and blood. And the acupuncture points included do 20, yin tang, large intestine 4, large intestine 11, PC6, neguan, spleen 10, spleen 6, stomach 36, liver 3, GB40. The researchers selected the acupuncture points for their ability to address several indications, including headache, nausea, vomiting, GI pain, and musculoskeletal pain. The points were also chosen to induce a calming effect for the relief of anxiety. Acupuncture needles were sarin J-type, and they were inserted until the dead cheese sensation was induced by manual acupuncture. And all of the acupuncture points were applied by licensed acupuncturists. In this case, um, they were licensed through the Minnesota Board of Medical Practice. Uh, notably, they were also certified by the NCCAOM. And in related research, acupuncturists found effective for the treatment of hot flashes induced by anti-estrogen therapy for breast cancer patients. All patients in this study uh, responded with a significant reduction of hot flashes. Intensity uh, was reduced by 70 to 95% for all patients in the study. In addition, the total number of hot flashes per patient reduced significantly. So that study was using DU20, Yin Tang, Heart 8, Kidney 10, and Liver 2. And they actually based that on what they call TKM, which is traditional Korean medicine principles. Again, Dechi was evoked uh, at the points. And the investigators noted that traditional Korean medicine has potential as, quote, viable treatment for women with chemotherapy-induced menopause-related hot flashes. So a great follow-up to that other study uh, coming out of the Mayo Clinic. So there we have a few things to look at. Acupuncture during surgery, acupuncture after surgery, how acupuncture works using fMRI studies, so many things. And yet, when we're dealing with the ability to use specific diagnoses with insurance companies, we say it's not proven, you can't use it. Uh, and also uh, some issues with the general public not understanding how and what we do. This type of research is great to put in their hands. So simply print this stuff out at healthcmi.com at the AccuNews portion and give it to your patients so they can see the scientific basis for what we're doing. I think it will reassure them and help them with treatment compliance.